Hello, and welcome to Group Chat, conversations on biblical community. In today's episode, we talk about getting our groups to be on mission with our college and singles groups pastor, Cole Gidrow. At Rush Creek, we want every member of our group to have the identity of a missionary. And in today's episode, we talk about taking this identity and putting it into practice right where we are. If you'd like to learn more about us, please visit www.rushcreek.org. Okay, welcome back. Group chat again. And we are here with Cole Gidro. That's that, me. That is how you say your last name, right? Gidros. Okay, I've never actually learned how to actually say it. But anyways, Cole is our college pastor and our singles pastor. He oversees... Uh, the small groups for those two ministries. Uh, we're also actually friends and students at Southwestern Seminary together, which is how we met uh, and got connected to each other. And Cole, thank you for coming on. Yeah, I'm just glad you considered me a friend. <laughs> you know, nice to hear that. <laughs> you know, I know you don't have a lot, so I, yeah. I try and jump in. Thank you. But uh, Cole is here today to talk about something. I think Cole is very passionate about our subject today. I've heard him talk about it uh, fairly extensively when it comes to uh, our small groups at Rush Creek, and that is uh, our groups being on mission. Uh, so we know that we say at Rush Creek the three identities that we want uh, all of our group members to have is to be a learner, a family, and a missionary. Uh, so we're here to talk about the third one today, about being a missionary as an individual and then being on mission as a group together. Uh, what does it mean to actually take what we have learned and put it into practice with our family. Uh, so Cole, we'll dump, we'll uh, jump right into it. Sounds good. <clears throat> so the first question is, we'll we'll just talk about what I just said. You know, when we say that we want our groups, uh, one of the identities to be a missionary at Rush Creek. What do we mean by that? You know, when we say missionary, you normally think of, you know, going to Africa. Right. But what does it mean to be a missionary in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex? Yeah, really it just it just means being on mission with God. So so to break even that down further for those that are still like I don't I don't know about that one. It's you are part of the living body which is the church on Rush Creek. And we can't reach every single person in the DFW area hoping that they'll come through our doors. And so the same God who left heaven to come to us, we now get to leave our church walls as the church and go into the DFW area actually sharing and showcasing who our God is. Um, so being a missionary, really, that identity is that you and your group are, are putting on this identity of um, really kind of a co-laborer with God out in the field instead of staying in the church walls, if that makes sense. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so take one of our groups and uh, say that maybe maybe it's a new group or maybe it's a group that hasn't really kind of taken that step to really regularly get involved in being on mission and kind of putting that part of their identity into practice. Uh, if you were to meet with that group leader um, and they're saying, you know, Cole, I, I want to start getting our groups, you know, out of my home uh, in a good way. And... Um, Practicing what we're learning, put it into practice, serving our community, reaching our neighbors. Um, kind of where do we start? How do we begin to do that? No, see, see, that's a great question just because I think we see a lot of the time that our groups um, aren't missional, if, if you want to call it that way. But I think at the heart of it, though, people want to be missional. Um, I, I never really talked to a Christian that goes, you know what, I just don't, 
I don't feel like being missional. I don't really want to walk with God and go partner with God. I've never really heard that come out of someone's mouth. But the issue is a lot of the time it doesn't happen, though. And, and if we're thinking about our groups, I know even my group in general with college, um, being a missionary and having that mindset is a struggle to actually put into practice, though. Um, and so one of the things I think that has to take place is um, catching that vision of that identity. Um, so really kind of the first thing you can do as a leader and as a group is really to cast that vision of God being a missional God and that we're on mission with him. And I think that part of that looks like um, kind of the example that Jesus gives us in Luke where he says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Yeah. The issue is we read that verse and we usually go, oh man, look at how great the harvest is. Look at how much stuff we can go reap. And usually what that turns into though is, you know, come and see, come in, come in. Hopefully the harvest will come to us. That's not what Jesus is saying. He goes, look, the harvest is plentiful. The issue is the harvest never changes. No matter how many workers you send into the field, the number in the harvest doesn't change, but the number harvested changes. Mm. And so Jesus' point there is that the workers are few, so pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the field. And so what we want to do is cast a vision that God's saying there is a plentiful harvest in the DFW area. I mean, there's... I don't remember what's the population size now in the DFW area. Oh, well, I mean, it's like eight, seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand. Uh, Maybe it's more than that's that. That's well, in, it's well into the millions. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's, I'm thinking yeah, Fort Worth only yeah. then. We're looking at like yeah. seven million. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking only Fort Worth then. But um, you have that many people that need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mm-hmm. issue is you can't expect all those harvests, uh, all those fruits to be picked up mm-hmm. by one person. Mm-hmm. However. If your groups, if you look at it this way, that small groups are basically these small entity churches based out of Rush Creek that are in the community, being Rush Creek in the community, let's just say every single person in your group just had one gospel conversation. I think just at the Green Oaks campus alone, we have like 100 or something groups, 108 I think now. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And so just imagine that. 108 people, even if you're a small group of like three people to a larger group of like 14, one person having one gospel conversation a month even. Let's just do the big number. I mean, you've now reached, gosh, around 1,000 to 2,000 in just one month. Like, that's slowly making the church um, harvesters, if that makes sense. So Jesus wants workers so that the harvest could be more plentiful because the harvest isn't going to change in the size of the harvest, Mm. but the amount harvested will change. But that's going to be based on did your group catch the vision of God being missional, and is your group um, going and putting those to practice? But that leads to, the, obviously, the thing that you're really asking, and that is, well, how do we, though, do it? Yeah. Um, and really, one of the biggest ways is um, know that your people want to be missional, but they don't know how to start. Yeah. And so one is having opportunities to put in front of them to say, hey, we're going to go do this. Like, don't give them the option at first, because they have to get their feet wet and kind of like, it's like when you're trying a new food. I like the idea of eating this, but I'm kind of nervous. It's not until you take that first bite of you, if you know if I'm going to like this or not. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with missions. Just do it. Just go. I know Nike says it all the time. Just do it. But it's seriously, sign up for an opportunity. Rush Creek has so many different opportunities. You can go look on our website for the different local and global missions, like Habitat for Humanity, uh, the Nehemiah Project, all these different things that you can sign up for and get a part of. But honestly... More practically, though, I think with group and that we miss is that uh, Paul in First Thessalonians two says this. Um, let me pull up 
pull it up, that way I don't misquote it, um, that we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but also our own lives because you'd become so very dear to us. And I think what a lot of the time we've become is that we like to be invited to things and not be the ones that invite people to things. And so what Paul's saying here, though, is that part of sharing the gospel is not just sharing it vocally, but sharing it with your life. And one practical thing your group can do to be missional is invite people, is to open up your, your group to more people, not just to come in during group time, but what that can look like is, I mean, who doesn't like to have a cookout? Yeah. Like, I love cookouts because the food's great usually, unless you get that, that one guy that's like, oh, he doesn't cook. I don't know why. Can he just bring the cheese? Like, <laughs> that's right. But um, it, having those, I'm telling you, there's apps now. Our, our communities are desiring neighborhoods and friends to meet. That's, there's literally apps called Neighborhood where you can go on there and see who in your neighborhood is actually like doing community events so you can go meet new people. If secular people are making these apps because they desire community, how much of an opportunity is it for the people of God, especially groups that are in the DFW area, to just say, hey, our group night, we're just going to do a cookout. We already love hanging out together already. We're just going to do it, and you know what? We're going to open it up to our neighborhood. That's the first place to start. You have people there, just invite them. Yeah. But see, yeah, and it's kind of what you say. It seems like people tend to overthink what we what we're saying when we say we want our groups to be on mission you know mm-hmm. i think um i don't want to speak for everybody but you know when you think of being on mission you think of you know door-to-door evangelism right or uh you know so on and whatnot when it's really just simple it's just it's like i said being open inviting people just to you know come be a part of our life you know kind mm-hmm. of um so kind of uh we'll we'll move into that because i wanted to press on Something else that you said, you, you talked about having gospel conversations. Okay. Um, can you, if you can kind of explain what that is, because another uh, concern that comes up a lot when people um, kind of get nervous about being on mission is, you know, I've never shared my faith, mm. you know, or I've never, I've never even talked about, right. about God or Christianity to another person. You know, I've always thought that. I wouldn't know what to say, or they don't really want to talk about that, or or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can you kind of kind of walk somebody through that? Somebody's maybe never shared their faith, or or talked, or just kind of had a, a gospel conversation, like you said, what that is. Kind of mm-hmm. walk them through that. Yeah. So so just know uh, you're in the norm at that point. Barna came up with research, uh, and it varies every now and then, but the the most common. Uh, statistics out there are that 60% of Christians have never shared their faith and never will in their Christian walk. Um, and never will. And never will. That's why, like, there's some that are higher, there's some that are lower, but that's kind of like the average area um, because of that last phrase, and never will. Yeah. Um, and so they, they, they share that, and I share that to say, that's got to change. But I think a lot of it is, I mean, I can't, I work with college students, and like the common thing that keeps coming up is we want to share our faith because the college students aren't coming to church. <laughs> They're not. Yeah. you got to go to them. Yeah. And so evangelism is a very big part of college ministry. But the issue is, and just like with the adults, the fear is what if I get rejected? What if I don't know enough and they ask me these questions? Um, oh, my gosh, their eternity rides on me. All these different fears uh, develop, and we just got to. While they're very real, we have to push past that because that is a huge statistic that has to shift. 
because like I said earlier, you know, you, the missional is not only sharing, but sharing your life. But you got to realize that that doesn't mean you don't share. If that right. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The sharing has to be in there for the gospel to, to mm. save, remember? Because faith comes from hearing and hearing what? The word of God, the gospel. And so how do, how do we start shifting that mindset in our culture, especially for our groups that honestly have never shared? Just know like, that as a group leader, that's what you're walking into when you have people show up to your group. And you may go out and say, hey, we're going to evangelize today. I don't know if we actually have any groups that do that, but like if you did, right. like you instantly lost some people because they've never done it. Um, so how do you shift that? I, I think it starts in your group. Instead of before you go out and ask this giant ask of going out to these strangers and saying, "Hey, you got a minute? Let's talk." Um, start in your group. One of the things that uh, I know some of our college groups do um, is that we learn to share our stories with the people we already trust. Because not only does that build honesty and, and vulnerability in your group, but it's teaching you to actually share what God's doing in your life to where you become more and more comfortable with it. So that when that opportunity comes up in the real world, um, I lose those terms loosely, obviously, because it's all the real right. world, but um, that it's, you're more out of the non-church world. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so for us, what we'll do, we tell everyone, man, we want to know your story. Even if we know that there are non-Christians in our group, we'll, we'll just say it that way. We want to know your story. What is your background? How did you come to this point? How did you uh, either come to know Jesus or didn't? Like, how, how, how did you get here? And every week, we have someone share their story. And it is just such a blessing to hear these people that would be so nervous if you asked them to share the gospel because they don't know how yet. But all of a sudden, they start loosening up and saying, man, this is like background. I mean, we've had people cry before sharing the story because they've never done it. And they're afraid of what people will think of them. Um, so I think it starts there. But it also starts with the group leader starting that. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to show them that you want to be vulnerable <laughs> and do that. But practically, I think outside of group, um, you know, Rush Creek, we taught on it, uh, I guess, maybe three months ago now, the three circles. Yeah, yeah. It's such a helpful guide. I'm just like, it is so helpful to explain the gospel clearly for those that don't know it and to refresh yourself on, you know, you have God's perfect design of how he created the world that we rebelled and it led to brokenness. And now we all live in this broken world that we can all see through all these different acts and things that happen in our world. And we try so hard to get out of them, but it always springs boards us back into this brokenness where we can't get out. But Jesus came, obviously, the good news, the gospel. He came, died on a cross, rose from the grave, and, and through repenting and believing in Jesus, we can now be restored to God's full design. There it is. Like, the gospel, there it is. 30 seconds, you're done. Um, and obviously, you can elaborate on that, but like, the three circles is such a helpful guide. You can download that. Um, there's an app for it online. I think it's just called the Three Circles app. But um, I think, though, even more than that, Realizing that gospel conversations won't happen without intentionality, um, and gospel conversations won't happen without practice, too. And so there's this wonderful book out there, uh, The Master Plan of Evangelism by mm-hmm. Robert Coleman. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually just finished going through with one of the guys I disciple um, because he struggled with the same thing. Like, I want to share, but I'm so afraid to share because I don't have a strategy. And he lays out some principles in there, but the thing that I really take away is these terms, identify, select, associate, and share. And there's more in the book, but these are significant, I think, for group life because 
if you're afraid to share and if you're wondering, and how can I, um, how can I live out sharing the gospel in just normal routine, not even in a group anymore? Man, in your neighborhood, just think right now at your house, not in group time, just at your house. Identify. Do you know your neighbors? Do you know their names? Do you know what they like? Do you know what they don't like? Like just, that's to identify. Just see who's around you. Select is, now select one of those neighbors. Select one that you think, man, we might have a lot in common. We might, I'd like to get them, know them better. It's just selecting one. And then when you select, the next one is associate. Just associate with them. Be around them. Invite them to something. It goes back to what we talked about with missional living, like doing the cookouts. Mm-hmm. Man, invite them to coffee. Invite them for a cookout. Maybe just have dinner with your family. Um, maybe you both like golf, you found out. So you go to Top Golf or uh, on an actual course. But it's associating with them, saying, hey, I actually want to be around you. It's making intentional connections with non-churched people so that Jesus can come through your mouth and through your life. And that's where the last point with share is, is that some point in there, you got to share the gospel. Um, But that may not happen the first day. That's why the associate is so important is that you're building this relationship with someone that God has specifically put in your life so that you can be a witness to his glory for them. Because we, our greatest desire as Christians, First John 2 says, is that we want others to know what we've seen. And so, as a Christian, we don't share so that people will get saved. We share because we are saved. Um, and what I mean by that is, we do want people to get saved. We want people to come to know Jesus. But the reason we share is because we really do believe that God is worth knowing. And every person needs to know him. And so, associate with people. And you can use those four little words identify select associate share in any category you may only have an hour with someone okay identified them i know who they are i selected walking with them i'm going to associate them through i don't know talking about i had a here's an example i had a conversation today at the apple store um it was only 30 minutes but uh, i identified the person that i was going to talk to um actually i guess they more identified me because they i'm the customer in there but uh go up and talk with them and I just started associating with him, get to know a little bit of his life instead of just talking about the Apple product that I'm buying. And once I found out a little more about him, uh, it turns out he goes, um, he lives right up the street from me. He's not a seminary student, but he lives right up the street from me. And because of that, I was able to say, hey, would you like to grab some dinner sometime? And that's going to give me opportunities to share the gospel. Um, so learning to do those things in our lives, I think, will be a big help. Is start asking those questions. How can I be intentional here? and have a plan to share the gospel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually we don't have the plan. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and at the end of the day, I mean, it's what we're called to do. It's mm-hmm. it's why it's why I mean, that the missionary identity is is supposed to be the product of those first two is that we're we're learning what scripture says, we're learning what Christ has done for mm-hmm. us. We're doing it in a community and a family and growing together. Yeah. And we're doing these things so that we can now go out and share it with other people. Right. Um so we we talked about that and then let's kind of turn it back on its head and talk about the group. Okay. Um, when we when we are a group on mission, when we go out, we're putting into practice what we believe and what we're learning. Um, how does that affect not just the group's relationship with its surroundings, how does that affect the group's relationship with each other? Yeah. So I honestly, from what I've seen, I mean, just think about it. For those that have gone on a short-term mission trip, You've, I don't know why this thing happens. There's probably many different variables. But every time you're on the way back from a short-term mission trip with that team, you almost feel like 
you've won the Super Bowl. Like, this is the team that I've done it with. Like, yeah. I know them. I, we're all Facebook friends now. I know your Instagram. I'm. You feel oddly close after yes, seven Yes, oddly days. close. It's only been seven days, and most of the time you're like, I'm still getting to know you a little bit. I don't know if I like you, but at the time it's like, and I would, I would. I don't know if I like you, but I love you. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and that happens great. because you are, for seven whole days, you are dedicated solely to, with these people on mission with God, to serve other people. And so one thing that it does is, one, it connects you unlike any other. For some reason, it just happens. You're, you're, you're on the same team and you realize that. But it also free. this is, I think, the more significant one. It gets your eyes off yourself. So we live in a very consumeristic world. For We'll even go to groups like this. I'm going to go to this group if they meet these needs. I'll go to this group if they study this book. I'll go to this group if they meet this life stage. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But as you see, we go in with these preconceived consumeristic notions of what can it do to serve me. But the identity of a missionary is what can I do to serve others? And so when you're getting in a group saying, this isn't about us, we're going to serve others, it connects you like none other to one another because it's also freeing you up from looking at yourself so often. And I think we need that more in our world. I mean, think about it. What is there, 52 different one another commands in the Bible? You can't, I love it. We usually read the one another commands and go, oh, I should do that. Well, the issue is it says with one another. It's for one another. You got to have other people around to obey those commands. And so what I think that it does for the group is that it helps the group finally realize that this world is not about us and that we're in group on a grander mission and and we're here for a grander design than just meeting my needs. So it frees you up as you start serving together and start seeing what it's like and start loving this. It frees you up in group time, man, to be more honest and open with one another to actually hear prayer requests and go, man, I want to see if I can meet that need instead of just sitting there and go, oh, Becky's got this prayer request again. I think this we prayed for this seven weeks in a row now. But what have you, have you stepped in and go, maybe I can serve in this area? Usually it's thinking about ourselves like, when is this prayer going to be done? Yeah. Why is she bringing this up again? Yeah. And, and so I think serving gets our minds off ourselves so often and sees this bigger picture. I love the way, I think John Piper's one that said it. He goes, God's doing 10,000 things around you, but you may only be aware of three of them. And so I think missions for the group helps honesty and accountability grow, helps serving grow, because it's getting our minds off ourselves because we're finally opening our eyes up to see more of what God's doing in other people's lives and how he can use us to actually meet their needs instead of them just meeting ours. And so, I mean, I, that's a, I think that's a group I want to be a part of personally. Like, I want a group that's going to go, man, I, I'll give up all my rights. Right? Paul, I, I think I quoted it already, the, the first uh, Thessalonians 2. But you shared your life with me like a, a nursing mom. Man, I, I want a group that's going to open their whole lives up and go, it's not about me. I'm going to go serve. I'm going to serve you because I love you. I want to be part of your life. Man, I, that is a healthy group. That yeah. Is, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so, Cole, thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming on. We'll wrap it up real quick. Um, oh, man. We talked about the practical ways to get involved. If you want to just kind of point people to um, ways, specific things going on at Rush Creek, mm-hmm. the kind of those first mission opportunities that they can get plugged into if they're looking at 
really starting to be on mission, if you kind of can just, I know I'm kind of making you throw them off the top of your head here, <laughs> but just kind of what, you know, just some examples maybe that might be helpful for people, you know, if they're wanting to get involved. I say I'm going to get fired not knowing all these. That's um, right. <laughs> I say, I know that our Compassion Center, they always are looking for volunteers. Um, they have weekday and weekend type uh, things with either restocking the food pantry or maybe even serving in an ESL class for our community. I know Rush Creek always does different events, like uh, we're going to do the Easter picnic and or sorry, the Easter movie night we're having this uh, this month actually, um, and like just going and saying, hey, how can I serve? Um, there, there's local missional opportunities that not, aren't necessarily church um, based, but we do help partner with, like Habitat for Humanity, Mission Arlington. Um, I think the Arlington Women's Shelter we also partner with. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's so many different ministries that you can partner with that are already doing ministry. If you don't know how to start to partner with through the church, but again, also. I think the best way to reach our city is by every group taking a mission project on their own, meaning I'm going to just do a cookout or I'm going to go pass out water. I'm going to do these things. So I would love to see that happen. Um, But yeah, those are some ways to get connected. Yeah, good. And uh, if you're interested in learning more, uh, Brian McFadden is our missions pastor at Rush Creek, if you don't know already. Um, Just go ahead and talk to him. And uh, they will get you connected. Uh, or talk to Cole. Shane Cavett. Shane Cavett. Yeah. Um, any of the groups guys here at Rush Creek. Um, if you're wanting to get involved, just speak up and somebody will help you. Uh, because at the end of the day, this is what we're about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cole, thanks so much for coming on thanks again. For having we me. do appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys for listening again. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Group Chat, conversations on biblical community. If you'd like to learn more about us, please visit www.rushcreek.org.